today's program is about conditions on earth before the return of Jesus. Radio friends, welcome to the program today and thank you for joining me. I hope all is well with you. You know, despite the all the unfavourable things that happen to us as human beings, there is one thing we must remember. God loves us, no more and no less. Today we're going to look at what the Bible says about what things will be like on planet Earth prior to the return of Jesus. Do you realise that both evolutionists and creationists are firmly agreed on one thing, and that is that planet Earth had a beginning? You've most likely heard this old saying at some stage, what goes up must must come down. The same idea applies to beginnings. What has a beginning must have an ending. We don't hear much these days about this earth having an ending, although many scientists and even political leaders are concerned about the state of the health of our planet. They are fearful that unless something is done about it, planet earth will be uninhabitable in the not very distant future. In many ways, we can see for ourselves what is happening, and it is a worrying scenario. Many thought leaders in society are beginning to despair whether or not our planet will be in a fit condition for our children, and for that matter, society, to survive beyond the year 2050. And that's only a bit over three decades away. Global warming, the rapid increase in human population, the advancement of the deserts, air and water pollution, diminishing food supplies, diminishing amounts of arable land, growing ineffectiveness of antibiotics, widespread outbreaks of disease, political instability and the competition for natural resources are some of the things of current grave concern. It's reassuring to realise that the Bible, God's holy word, has something to say about this, but it does not present a rosy picture. One day, when Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem, Jesus was asked a question. We find it in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and verse 3. The question was, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? The rest of the chapter is Jesus' answer. However, it is interesting to note that Jesus did not say that the world would go on forever. He gave a detailed answer and explained what conditions would be like leading up to the end. And we'll look at that soon. 
But first I want to share with you some other terms the Bible uses, all meaning the same thing as the expression, the end of the world. The end of the world and Jesus' coming are synonymous. That is, they refer to the same time and the same events. When Jesus returns to this earth to collect and take the saints to heaven with him, that time event is referred to as the end of the world, the coming of the Son of Man, his coming, his appearing, the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, and the end of the age. There are about six other variations on these expressions, and all mean the same thing. It is interesting to note that the Bible outlines conditions in, firstly, the natural world, secondly, the religious world, three, the social world, and fourthly, the political world. It's also interesting to note what are people's attitudes regarding the impending end of the world. One of those attitudes is mentioned in the book of Second Peter, chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. It says, Understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is the coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. In other words, some people will have the attitude that the end has has not and is not happening. So there is no need to worry or be concerned. They've heard about but are unprepared for Christ's return. According to them, all is well, and they don't believe that the world will come to an end, at least not in their lifetime. Then we have another similar but distinct attitude. It's recorded in Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. It says, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Here, Jesus explains the other attitude that will be exhibited. People will not even be mindful of the fact that the end of the world will come. They'll be of the same mindset as those who live near a dormant volcano, who are so busy with their day-to-day lives that the notion that the volcano could erupt just does not enter their minds. The first one is an attitude of disbelief. The other is an attitude of not caring. Now, let's examine what the Bible has to say about the natural world prior to Jesus' return. Romans chapter 8 points out that we are living in a world of suffering and even the environment is suffering. Verse 22 says, 
We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. No one can reasonably deny that our environment is under huge pressures. In this country, Australia, we're used to droughts and flooding rains, as the poet Dorothea McKellar put it. But have you noticed about the new extremes that are being experienced? Extremes in temperatures, extremes in cataclysmic events. Consider the breakdown of the once stable systems that have existed for centuries. Things like the Great Barrier Reef, the protective ozone layer, the diminishing forests, especially in countries like in South America, the reduction of, in the polar and alpine ice, the rise in sea level, the overall increase in temperature both on land and in the water. Consider the ever-advancing size of deserts, loss of species and pollution of air and water. It's no wonder that the Bible speaks of creation groaning. I've visited Hong Kong and mainland China several times and for the first day there it is quite noticeable that there was no blue sky. The sky appears to be a murky grey and lateral visibility was less than 20 kilometres. Then, after the second or third day, my eyes would begin to sting. I've visited at different times of the year but have experienced the same phenomena each and every time. It was a similar scenario in Los Angeles in California. The air pollution is incredible. The environment is suffering. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus listed a number of signs that would be indicators of the time of the end. These are famine, that's drought, pestilences, that's disease and plagues of various sorts, like locust plagues and poisonous algae in the water, and widespread earthquakes. Put simply, the balance of nature is out of whack. There is a growing despair among some environmental scientists who say that the major environmental problems on planet Earth have gone beyond the point of no return. They say it is no longer possible to rectify the damage that has already been done. These are some of the physical conditions the Bible talks about, but let's see what the Bible says about social conditions. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, is a description of society in the time prior to the return of Jesus. It says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, 
conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Let us consider several things from this non-exhaustive list. Firstly, people are described as lovers of themselves. Who would have understood the word selfie five years ago? In case you don't know, a selfie is a picture you take of yourself, often using a mobile phone camera. Then you send it to all your friends and acquaintances so they can be jealous and admire you. Think of the multi-millions of dollars spent in the latest fashions, cosmetics, cars and gadgetry to make people envious. There is no question that the lovers of themselves trend is huge and it's growing. What about being without self-control? It seems not that long ago that if two men were in a fight and one of them was knocked down, that was the end of the fight. There was a certain unwritten respect in such situations. What we see now is often unprovoked attacks on innocent victims, and when they fall down, that is not the end. They're then set upon, quite often by a vicious group, who kick the victim to unconsciousness and sometimes even death. What about the sports stars who go almost berserk when they lose a game or a match? What about the spectators who attack supporters of the rival team when the scores are going the wrong way? This often happens in soccer games. And police have a blacklist banning some of those unruly spectators from matches. And then what about road rage? What about victims including children of sexual attack? Self-control seems to belong to some distant past. Certainly, current society is much different than it was when I was a child. And then, what about the lovers of money bit? Why do pimps run child prostitution rackets? Why is there so much cyber theft? What about money laundering and money-making scams that are so prevalent in our times? not to mention rackets and sale of, un of harmful products. Is there any social conscience left in the world? The things the Bible describes that will exist before the time of the end are so obvious nowadays. Money seems to determine the moral standards of many people. We'll have a little break here for a while. And we'll come back in a moment. How long has it been Since you talked with the Lord And told Him your heart's hidden secrets How long since you prayed How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? How long has it been since your mind felt at ease? 
How long since your heart knew no burden? Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? Since you knelt by your bed and prayed to the Lord up in heaven, how long since you knew that He'd answer you and would keep you? Since you woke with the dawn and fell, this day is worth living. Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that he cared for you? That was Jim Reeves singing How Long Has It Been? Just before the break, we were considering some of the social things that exist in the world which are described in the Bible. We're going to now look at the lovers of pleasure phrase from Second Timothy. You know, if people were to abandon all the things they do for pleasure the world economy would collapse and significant industries would disappear. Gone would be wineries and vineyards. Gone would be pleasure boats, the movie industry, television, the music industry, the fashion industry, the travel industry, most sports and the associated manufacturers of sporting equipment. Pleasure seems to be the number one pastime in our day and age, at least in Western countries, and the Bible predicted it centuries ago. In the book of Second Thessalonians, the Bible has a lot to say about lawlessness and the originator of lawlessness, that's Satan. God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, is central to all good law. There is a growing trend both from within the church and within society at large toward lawlessness. Lawlessness, according to the book of Galatians chapter 5, is a result of a sinful nature. As society drifts further and further away from godliness into secularism, there is increasing lawlessness. The results of this are, and this is from verses 19 to 21, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I can't help feeling that the descriptions I've just read to you are almost like what one reads in an everyday newspaper. This should make us realise that we live in the time just before Jesus comes again, the time of the end. Now, what about conditions in the political world? In Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7, we read, You shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Of course, there have been wars for centuries in the past and there are wars going on at this very moment. Wars including uprisings and conflicts caused by rebel groups. A quick check on the internet will show that currently there are no less than 23 wars, that is, 23 armed conflicts going on around the world. In 2014, the last year where there was complete data collection about wars, there were just under 140,000 people who died in the world as a direct result of those wars. At the same time, there is a major effort to resolve political differences between warring groups. Peacekeeping missions are commonplace and do their best to resolve conflicts. The Bible in 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 3 points out this. While people are saying peace and safety, sudden destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Although the world is experiencing conflict, there is a lot of effort being made by others to bring about peace. Many words of peace are being spoken. Wars will continue right up until when Jesus comes. And so will peace efforts continue until the end of the world. No doubt you are aware of the huge refugee problem there exists. One reason for the huge number of refugees is war. I don't, I don't need to make you aware of this problem. It's all too obvious. But we should be aware of the fact that one of the conditions in the world prior to the end of the world, end of the world will be war and the effects of war. Now what does the Bible say about conditions in the religious world during the period of time leading up to the return of Jesus? The Bible talks about two things. The first of these is found in 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4 where it says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth 
and turn aside to myths. Put simply, these two texts are saying that people place their own ideas above what the Word of God has to say. It doesn't seem to matter what's right. People are prepared to accept error and believe that in preference to truth. A product of these kinds of beliefs is religious intolerance. Consider the Muslim extremists. They choose to believe what some of their hate-filled teachers impose on them and then are prepared to gleefully take the lives of others who they regard as non-believers. The Word of God says that we should love our enemies, not kill them. Within Christianity are many beliefs. Some groups stop short of what is truth and just teach what is popular, thereby pandering to the itching ear syndrome. What a shame it is that people are not prepared to know the whole truth. What a shame it is that many people are prepared to only accept what they are taught and neglect to check what God's word has to say. The other feature in the religious world prior to the end of the world is the preaching of the gospel. In Matthew 24 verse 14, that feature is outlined. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom of God will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Yes, despite all the social, political, environmental and religious problems that the world will experience just before Christ's return, there will be a push to reach every people group with the good news of salvation. I'm glad to be associated with a church that has reached out with the gospel message to just about every country in the world. Numerically, the Seventh-day Adventist church is relatively small, yet has the second highest number of missions globally, coming a close second to the Roman Catholic Church, which numerically is a giant. Is it possible to reach all the people groups in the world? I believe the answer is yes, due to the help of technology, such as the internet, satellite television, and of course, radio. To finish off today, I want to remind you that although conditions on planet Earth will be pretty bad before the end, there is a warning for everyone. It's found in several places in the Bible. Second Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And in Matthew 24 verses 36 to 39, Jesus pointed out, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels of heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came 
and took them all away. And in verse 42, there is this admonition. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord may come. Today I've shared with you what the conditions on earth are like prior to the coming of Jesus, that is, prior to the end of the world. It seems fairly obvious that we're living in that time right now. The signs and indicators are in front of our eyes every single day. What a shame it'll be if you choose to ignore these signs, because if you do, Jesus' coming will be a curse and not a blessing to you. I have to tell you today that it is my intention not to be destroyed when Jesus comes, but I want to be part of the group that will go home with him to heaven and have eternal life. But the big question today is what will you do about it? Will you choose to get your life in order, awaiting Jesus? Or will you put it off or even ignore what's happening around you? It's my sincere hope that you choose life, eternal life. Choose to be ready to meet your Saviour when he comes. Well, that's it for this program. I hope you'll join me again next week for another in the series, Give Me the Bible. In the meantime, link your life with the one who came to save you, and may he give you hope and peace. <laughs> 